What's good, what's good? Welcome in to another episode of A Small Scoop of Sports, episode number 32 to be specific. This is your co-host, Haru Gutierrez, joined as always by Chris Molina. What's good, Chris? What up, everyone? Good evening. Uh, ready to get into another show. It's our first NBA show in a while, isn't that right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You know, we are about halfway through the season, Chris. So as we promised all the listeners, bro, we have to give that midseason update. And um, I would say, let's see, you know, talk about the good, the bad, some disappointing teams, some uh, quality teams. Before anything, though, you want to remind everybody where they can find the podcast on social media? Yes, on Twitter and on Facebook, you can find this podcast at Small Scoop Sport, and that's at Small Scoop Sport. And then on Instagram, you can find this show at Small Scoop Sport Podcast, and that's on Instagram. Yes, sir. Perfect, perfect. So, as you already mentioned, bro, we're finally going to talk about some NBA, you know, um, the current standings. As I just mentioned, surprise teams, disappointing teams, MVP candidates, bro. We'll get into some specific there. Um, we know that the trade deadline is also coming up in about three weeks. Um, you know, do we see any changes going down? And Chris, of course, who else do we got to talk about in depth, bro? The, the Lakers. Los Angeles Lakers. <laughs> I'm so excited, bro. I'm so excited <laughs> to, that, that we're finally talking about the Lakers in a positive light after what we've gone through for about seven years or so. But... Before we get into all that, bro, I'm getting too excited about the NBA. We got two <laughs> topics to get into, bro. First one, Chris, finally, bro, the MLB sanctions came through. This is just literally breaking news in the last two days. Chris, start us off with those Astros, bro, those those uh, cheating Astros. What happened, dude? Break it down. So the Houston Astros finally got their punishment <laughs> handed down from uh, Major League Baseball. The Major League Baseball did find that they were cheating on a grand scale. So what happened was the general manager, um, Jeffrey Lanau, um, AJ Hinch, their manager, they both got suspended for a year. They also got a $5 million fine, which is the biggest fine you can have under the MLB constitution. Um, and then they got their first and second round picks taken away for the next two years. After that, Jeffrey Lunau and AJ Hinch were both fired by the Houston Astros owner, Jim Crane. Yes, Why? sir. So, dude, a lot to, to kind of digest here. Let me ask you, what did you think right away when you heard of just the suspension? Because, um, you know, they, they were suspended for a year and then it seemed like that was going to be it. Seemed like kind of a slap on the wrist, but then like you said, they were fired. What do you think? How, 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 you know, severe was this? Was it hard enough for, you know, another team to never cheat again? What did you think here? So I think if you just take the punishment in the vacuum, it probably was a little too light. I think there should have been more, at least more draft picks taken away or, you know, more suspensions for managers and coaches and stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. I still, I know we've talked about this. I still don't think they should have been officially stripped of that 2017 title. But the inherent punishment of us knowing that they won that title in a year where Major League Baseball uh, proved and punished them for cheating all year, including the postseason, it's, uh, to me, they're not the winners anyway that year. That, you, you hit, you know, the nail right on the head. I wanted to ask you, do you think 
that could have been like maybe even obviously they're not gonna take it they're still the champs dude so you say that like you know as a as a baseball fan you know that in reality they aren't the champs because they cheated but for the rest of time literally they're gonna be in the record books as the champions for that season like how do you feel about that um kind of mixed feelings i mean it feels weird you know knowing the yankees played that team that year mm-hmm. um, tore it up in new york and all three games in new york dominated but then got dominated in all four games in houston and just kind of just kind of wondering what could have been uh but it's not like we would have won uh, regardless, you know what I mean? But it's just like what could have been if uh, they weren't doing nefarious things behind the scenes. They, uh, I 100% agree, dude. I think more than anything, the other teams that played them on their way. And as you said, dude, the ALCS was such a great battle. But we now know that they cheated. So quite interesting. The one thing that sticks out to me, bro, is the fact that um, Lunau and uh, Hinch got fired after so you know if it was just the one-year suspension um i feel like that was way too light but i really like the fact that the astros fired them because now bro i think the true punishment of their actions is gonna be the fact that they're not they're probably not gonna get hired um again at least for a long time dude i would guess like i don't know dude maybe like at least five to five to ten years that they will have no chance zero chance of getting a job where you know i think as time passes by maybe uh some team at some point would be like you know what you serve your time it's kind of like you know someone that goes to jail they'll be like all right you've been blackballed from the league now you can come back do you agree with that or do you think that at some point they will be able to get a job again in the majors i agree with that um in terms of Jeffrey Lunau, um, I don't think he's ever going to work in Major League Baseball again. Uh, just just how the Houston front office was ran, and then like you said, um, he's always going to have that cloud of like, he was the highest ranking executive besides uh, Jim Crane, the owner, and he allowed all of this to happen. Um, and the report kind of says like, they weren't uh, directly involved, AJ Hinch and Jeff. But I think um, what they said about Hinch was like he was kind of opposed to it. But then he was like, uh, yeah, well, do whatever you guys want, man. Uh, <laughs> kind of a doormat, you know what I mean? A doormat for cheating. Like, hey, you know, uh, do what you got to do. And honestly, it looks bad on him. It looks just as bad on him as if he was the mastermind on the whole thing. So he might get a job within a few years. But I, if it were me, I wouldn't hire him. Yep, I I like it, and you're right, dude. Even if he was not the guy that came up with the idea, if if he was just a doormat, was like, go ahead, guys. I know this is happening, but you know what? Let's let's go ahead anyway, bro. You're you're just as guilty as you know the person that came up or uh, concocted, concocted the scheme. You know what I'm saying? So, um, right. okay, so I agree, bro. I think Hinge with time, bro. It's like anything when people make mistakes, um, they get another shot. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. We'll keep an eye on that for sure with Houston. Another person, though, um, a day later that was also uh, punished was who Alex Cora, the manager of the Boston Red Sox, was fired because Major League Baseball was going to give him his punishment. The Red Sox actually learned from the Astros and got ahead of it, and he is officially no longer a manager in Boston. So... What did you think there? And why was the reason, Chris, for the listeners that don't know, what did Cora have to do in all this? 
So Cora was actually the mastermind in mm-hmm. Houston. Um, he's the one that, you know, got it, everything together. Him, Beltron, uh, but Beltron's a player. So, like, he didn't get any punishment from Major League Baseball. Although, let's see if the Mets can him after what's been going on. Uh, even though he hasn't managed a game yet. <laughs> uh, but uh, Cora was the mastermind. Um, and then he left Houston to go to Boston after winning the World Series. Boston doing the same thing all regular season from what I read. Um, what they were doing, they weren't as advanced as the Astros, but what they were doing is they were going into the video replay room, uh, players uh, getting pitch sequences, and then relaying it, uh, having a system to relate to the batter with like body language and body movement and stuff like that. I don't know what the specifics are, but... Um, after 2017 and their Apple Watch incident, they were warned uh, by Manfred, like, do this again and the hammer's going to come down. And Cora, Cora immediately, as soon as he's a manager with the Red Sox, does it. And the only reason he didn't do that in the playoffs is because they had um, an MLB representative in every video room babysitting because like, the fear was just so rampant at that time for good reason. For great reason, yes. I, I know it, it may seem childish uh, for MLB to say, you know, we got to put a person in there, but now we know that actually they were right on the money, bro. So um, with Cora being the mastermind, do you think that he will get, because I, I, I see this situation pretty similar as Hinch being like blackballed from the league, at least for a few years. Do you think Cora is um, even more blackballed worse than Hinch dude because he created this and then not only did he do it in Houston he got a job elsewhere and then he's like forget I'm gonna do it again I don't give a damn you know what I'm saying like (laughs) right do you see that or how do you kind of compare it to Hinch it's kind of uh his flagrant indifference to like MLB rules and ethics Mm -hmm. and uh stuff like that to do it on back-to-back teams um that I think he's going to get at least a two-year suspension, if not longer, because Hinch and Lunout, one team, weren't directly involved, but knew what was going on and didn't do it really anything uh, to stop it. But Cora mastermind both teams. I think I think he's going to get two years or longer, and then if he ever coaches again in the Major League Baseball, it's going to be a long time from now. He's a young man. Uh, only 44, so that's pretty young in terms of manager uh, in like sports coaches and sports. But like, it's gonna be at least 10 years before ever, anyone's like, hmm, this dude was pretty good, uh, even though he was cheating. <laughs> I feel that. I feel that. <laughs> and then before we move on, bro, do, is any chance, dude, that at some point, either that 17 Astros championship or that 18 Red Sox championship gets you know, nullified and erased from the books. Do you think any chance, if you could say right now from one to a hundred, do you say, or is it a 0% chance in your mind? Uh, 0% chance. Uh, I think they're doing a good job of not opening up Pandora's box because mm. once they once they take away a title, like what uh, infractions, what team infractions in the future will lead to that sort of punishment? Like, is it the same as you know, cheating or maybe they have a player caught for, you know, performance enhancing drugs or I don't know, whatever yeah, the case so- may be. Oh, sets ahead, a bad no, it sets a bad precedent basically right and it just uh every basically every team will want to erase some kind of stat or p rose like we had talked about in a few weeks back they'll say why don't you erase his kind of that's where you're kind of going at right 
Yeah, yeah. It's just like now that they have that as a weapon against teams, you never know when, when they're going to wield it or when they're going to have to wield it. And the Red Sox will still get a punishment. I don't know if this it got lost in this. Um, after 2017, it seems like they're going to get a pretty strict punishment, just like the just like the Astros did. I mean, they have a new GM this year. Um, they just fired their coach, but they might get a, a hefty fine and lose draft picks as well. I feel that. Okay. Well, there you go, dude. We'll definitely um, see how it all unfolds and eventually what happens to Cora, Hinch, um, and Lanell. Now, before we get into the NBA, one more thing, Chris. The college football playoff final just went down, man. What It, it was a game. It was a good battle. A little different at the end, just to uh, let our listeners know. For whoever didn't watch, it was Clemson, the number three team, versus LSU, the number one team. LSU is the first number one team in the college football playoff series to win the championship as that number one. So the score was 42 to 25. You had Joe Burrow, Mr. Heisman, just straight ball out. The guy ended up with 463 yards and five touchdowns in the air. And then he had 58 yards on 14 carries and another touchdown through the ground. Yup, six total TDs for the national champion Heisman Trophy winner. What were your thoughts on the game, bro? Uh, yeah, it, I guess LSU started off slow. Um, Clemson jumped out to an early lead, but uh, you can't keep Burrow down for long. Um, his strides that he's made since uh, even just two years ago when he couldn't win the Ohio State job and had to transfer to LSU wasn't very good as the LSU's starting QB, and now he had one of the best QB performances in uh, college football history for a year. He had 60-plus touchdowns this year. Wild. The, and that was the, I believe he broke the record in the national championship, did he not? I think he broke what, Andy Dalton's record. Mm, I think it was 59, I believe, for a single season. I think that's what he broke. Um, and I think it was Dalton's there in the championship, so... Um, and dude, wouldn't he had seven touchdowns in the semi as well, right? So he had seven and six, 13 in the last two games, total touchdowns. Yeah, 13, that's it. I mean, my fantasy team needs more than that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Yo, that's dude. probably more than the Bengals scored all year. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, for sure, for sure. And that brings <laughs> me to uh, the, you know, obvious question. What do you see happening um, to Burrow now? You know, what is your opinion? Is this dude that lock for, you know, Cincinnati or what do you see happening to him because he is the man at least in college he was for sure yeah this last year um, I think if the Cincinnati Bengals don't take him at this point it's it could be a fireable offense um, <laughs> as opposed to taking him and him end up not panning out in the NFL if you don't take him and he you know is one he has like a Russell Wilson Rogers breeze type career it's you're gonna go down in like general manager lore with all those Portland Trailblazers managers. Uh, oh my, <laughs> yes, the, the historic mistakes that are talked about um, 30 plus years later. So I, I, I feel that. Um, and then, do you think Cincinnati can compete right away? Will he be that much of a difference maker, kind of like you just said with Russell or an A Rod type of dude, or is it gonna take him a little bit to get used to obviously the next level? I think it'll take him a little bit. Um, he'll have some moments in next year of brilliance. He'll have he'll also have some moments of like 
this dude, rookie, he's got to be better next year or next game. Um, Bengals 2-14. and 14. I, I see them winning five or six games next year, having a better offense. He's got the pieces around him. They should franchise tag Green. He's got Mixon. they got offensive linemen coming back, Tyler Boyd. It's not a bad, it's not a bad place to land as the number one pick. Is he going to be fantasy football uh, ready, bro? Uh, define ready. Do you think top 15 fantasy-wise, like for QBs or like top 12? So like a QB one, since there's usually 12 teams in the league. I would say, yeah, let's let's give him top 12. Will he be top 12, you think, right now, a day after the championship? What do you think? I am going to have to sell that. I don't think he can. He has enough with his legs, even though he did uh, beat Clemson with his legs. Uh, I think he'll it's be a different ball 15. game, right? Yeah, he'll be around 15. He'll have a good passing season. But the reason Kyler was up there in the top seven ish was because of his legs. So I think that'll be the difference. I like it. Okay. Well, we're going to see, man. Burrow is definitely in the league. Hopefully, he uh, gets a good start there in Cincinnati. And like you said, if it's not Cincinnati, somebody's going to get fired. So, <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, <laughs> all right, bro. Well, that takes us, though. You ready to get into this NBA episode, bro? You ready to rock? Yes, let's do it, man. Let's get it. So we are about right halfway through the NBA season. Some teams have played around 41. Some teams have played around 38 games. We know that for, for our listeners, the NBA season is 82. So we are right in that area. To start off, let's go over the current um, standings in both the East and the West. Chris, take us through the East, bro. How's it looking right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting. I like watching how the standings move after every night, even though they, it doesn't make much of a difference in the grand scheme of things. It's just interesting to see teams jockeying for position. Um, so, number one in the East, we got the Milwaukee Bucks at 36 and 6. Uh, two, we got the Boston Celtics at 27 and 11. Three, we got the Miami Heat at 27 and 12. Four, we got the Toronto Raptors at 25 and 14. Five, we got the Indiana Pacers at 25 and 15. Six, we got the Philadelphia 76ers at 25 and 16. Uh, seven, is where we start getting into the teams under 500. The Orlando Magic at 19 and 21. Eight, the Brooklyn Nets at 18 and 21. And then there's four teams uh, tied after that. The Hornets, Bulls, Pistons, and Wizards, five five games back of Brooklyn. Okay, perfect. Yup, so that's the East now. Um, before we get into a little bit, you know, nitpicking these teams, uh, I'll go over the Western uh, Conference standings as of now. So uh, in first place, the Los Angeles Lakers yeah. are 33-7, and seven, yes sir, uh, halfway through the season. Um, and then number two, the Utah Jazz at 28 and 12. Right behind them at three, the Denver Nuggets, 27 and 12. Then you got the Clippers at four at 27 and 13. The Houston Rockets at five with at 26 and 13. And then you go the Dallas Mavericks at six, 24 and 15. The Oklahoma City Thunder at seven right now at 23 and 17. And the only team that is in the playoff uh, picture right now in the West, under 500, are the Memphis Grizzlies at 19 and 22. And then from there, you have the San Antonio Spurs, 
the Portland Trailblazers, the Phoenix Suns, and the Minnesota Timberwolves um, to, to follow there out of the playoff picture. So, uh, as we see there in the West, dude, it's very competitive, especially from two to six, very, very close. But before we talk about those teams, let's talk about the East, Chris. Um, tell us one team, you know, you went through those standings that is surprising so far to you in a positive way a team that maybe you didn't expect to be here halfway through the season what's a team that comes to mind um so this one's a little weird for me so if i were to tell you that pascal siakam kyle lowry and Sergi Ibaka both met portions of the first half of the season or all three of them i should say um where would you say the toronto raptors were like just like if you knew that at the time at the beginning of the season. Yeah, knowing that obviously their best player, um, Kawhi, left, and those three you said significant amount, dude, you'd have to say, definitely, I, I would I would guess out of the playoffs, I would literally say probably like mm, seven to seven to nine games below 500 if I knew that those three and Kawhi were gone. Yeah, I was seven or eight seed right now, um, but they are number four seed still above a team like the 76ers it's not surprising given the Raptors talent it's surprising where they are like we been the amount of injuries that they've had to uh, withstand like Pascal Siakam um, against the uh, Spurs they just played uh, first game back in weeks and I mean he was averaging 24 and 7 Kyle Lowry missed a few weeks at, towards the beginning of the season. He's putting up eight points a game. Their best field goal percentage guy, Serge Ibaka, 50% from the field. Uh, he missed some time too. And here they are, still one of the better teams on defense. Just goes to show how deep that roster is and how they can still wade water with their best players out. And it should bode well for them. And That's a good one. That And you make a great point, dude, with... Um how they've been able to stay you know and not only above water bro at 25 and 14 that's solid without literally their that best players so um i would say that record dude would be solid with those three players not missing any time you know what i'm saying like just saying you lost Kawhi, you're the defending champs but you're playing with all these other guys that's a good record and four seed solid <laughs> yeah no yeah yeah four seed is you're still hosting um the playoffs at least the first series if it ended today so i like that one bro for um me the a team that i'm surprised with and i said at the beginning of the year that i didn't think they would keep it up when we talked about that first nba episode we were like 10 games in i would say has to be the team that's right above toronto bro in the miami heat i mean 27 and 12 the the part that surprises me even more 17 and 1 at home bro they literally have um i believe the best record in the entire nba at home and their only loss is to the lakers um if i'm not mistaken um at home which is obviously the number one team in the west yep, right. and they are on a two-game losing streak as well so they were 27 and 10 we could say dude the jimmy butler um addition i don't know i i'm kind of before the season was getting kind of sour on Jimmy because he's kind of bounced around a couple of teams and seems to be kind of a problematic star you know what I'm saying that always starts it seems beef dude and it can't really mesh with other players even when he has good players like uh, alongside him like he did in Minnesota 
but he's leading the heck out of this team, dude, with Bam Adebayo being probably the second best player. You have uh, Drogic, who's, you know, at 15 points, not being crazy, crazy amazing. Um, and then from there, bro, you got just a rookie and none. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Hero, correct? Um, and so he's at 13 they points. Are, are they both? Yeah, okay. Yeah. I know. Um, so think about that. 15 for him. Hero's at 13. They have um, seven guys, Chris, in double digits. So they're just a team that I think is pretty deep, bro. And I'm just impressed with Miami. What do you think about that? Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Miami, they got off to that hot start since then. It, they've had stretches of brilliance. They've had stretches of like, meh. Uh, but they still, they're uh, from eyeballing it here, they're like number four in the eight East at scoring the ball when it's just Jimmy Butler and some like, I I don't want to call them just role players, but like guys that are stepping up and overperforming expectations. I'll call it like that. I like that. Correct. Yep. That's that's a good way of putting it, bro. Maybe we don't want to diss on them, but they're definitely playing really well for uh, the type of players that they are. Yeah. So um, I have a question for you before we move on real quick. Yep. Um, who do you see going further in the playoffs between Miami and Toronto? Man, that's a good question, bro. You know what? Uh, let's, um, let's take the while well, you think for a second let's take the uh, standings as they are right now Miami would be hosting Philly in the first round tough and then Toronto with Indy but Indy would ha- theoretically have Victor Oladipo back so another tough series there too yeah they're both literally those four teams dude however you match them up would be great series in the playoffs right now I think I would still take the Raptors um, to advance a little bit further than the Heat because those guys did get a lot of experience last year. Pascal has made, it seems like, a big jump. Um, And then Lowry, as much as he didn't get credit for um, being that second guy last year for the Raptors behind Kawhi, he's still a a really good point guard who I think, um, you know, makes the team overall better than, like you said, Miami. That is Jimmy. And then kind of a bunch of role players, I think. So I think in the playoffs, they could focus in on um, you know, maybe letting Jimmy try to go hero ball, stop everybody else. Miami's going to have a harder time than Toronto. What do you think? Who would you pick right now? I would go with Toronto as well for a lot of the same reasons. You said, like, I think Pascal did make that jump from um, in most improved, uh, really good second option to uh, all-star caliber, really good first option. So uh, I would take Toronto there as well. Okay, good. And now, um, who is a team, Chris, in the East that has disappointed you? The most disappointing team as of right now. So, I'm going to have to go with the Detroit Pistons. I don't know why I get my hopes up for the Pistons every year. You know me. I'm a big Andre Drummond fan. Um, ever since we used to play fantasy basketball back in the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, 17, he's putting up 17 and 15.7 a game. He's one of the better players in the league in steals and blocks. And then they have Rose, you know, vintage Rose, 18 points a game in only 25 minutes. Not bad. Uh, they still got Blake Griffin, Markeith Morris, three um, Makai Luke putting up 7.4. Uh, I just... I always expect this team to make the playoffs, and they just never do. And it's even worse this year than what it was last year. True. It's not even close this year, right? It's like, (laughs) I am with it, bro. Okay. 
I like that. And like you said, dude, Drummond, he, we'll, we'll get into him maybe here a little bit in the trade deadline because it seems like maybe finally he's going to be able to, um, you know, get out Ooh, of that's Detroit. A good, that's a good one, uh, you know, one to talk about here. In a yeah, Sorry. yeah, we'll see. No, no, no. I like that. I like that that you mentioned him. Um, for me, a team that maybe people didn't expect to maybe necessarily make the playoffs, but it's got to be the Atlanta Hawks, dude. Um, you didn't even mention them in the standings of the top, what was it, 13 teams because they are the last team in the Eastern Conference at 9-32, and 32, bro. So really quick, you know, I want to make I want to make a point that I didn't necessarily expect them to maybe make the playoffs, but be at least competing, especially in the East that we know um, usually the 8th seed or 7th and 8th are below 500. But dude, and I understand John Collins, who is pretty much their second best player behind Trey Young, um, was out for a majority of the season. He's only played 14 um, games. Suspended, yeah. Yeah, he, he had the suspension. But dude, Trey Young is averaging 28.9 and 8.4 assists. Oh my um, he's balling, and they are literally the worst team um, tied with the Golden State Warriors as the worst team in the NBA. So I'm just very disappointed. I figured they at least would be competing and they're not even close, bro. So I feel bad for Trey, for the boy from, from Oklahoma. You know, what What do you think about that? Yeah, that's an excellent pick too. Um, they kind of slipped my mind with how bad they are, uh, but they started the year off like three and oh, or four and oh, or something mm-hmm. like that. And since then they're like five and 32. Um, the picks that they've had, even though they're still young, they're still developing. They've been major disappointments. Uh, DeAndre Hunter, um, Cam Reddish, Cam Reddish showing kind of the same skittishness that we seen in streaks at Duke, when he would just kind of uh, just chill and let the uh, let the other guys, RJ Barrett and Zion Williamson, go to work. But uh, I think we got to talk about uh, these guys and more in the in the trade segment for sure. But that's a good pick. Yep, I like it, bro. So that's the East right there. Um, let's go into the West now. Um, again, we mentioned those standings. Chris, what is a team so far? You know what? I'll start since I started the West. I'll go first with the team that has surprised me thus far. Um, and that team to me has to be the Oklahoma City Thunder, bro. Um, they're 23 and 17. They're currently in the seventh seed. And to be honest, before the season, once, you know, CP3 was there, we know Paul George um, ended up leaving. He's now uh, with the Clippers. I didn't see them having any hope, to be real with you, of making the playoffs. You know, maybe being a little under 500, maybe being 10, 9, somewhere around there. Right now, they're the seventh seed, bro. And the the biggest surprise to me, uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander, bro. The guy is balling dude the i don't know if you saw the other night he had a 20 20 and 10 triple double um I didn't see that. that's awesome yeah dude him and westbrook are the only two guards to um have you know have done that so far which is super crazy um and he's averaging 20 points 5.7 rebounds 2.9 assists and then you have of course you you know they still have gallinari schroeder's playing well cp3 is the fourth leading scorer on this team i wouldn't really expect that and then you still have steven adams who's at 12 and 10 so um you know they've surprised me dude i think they have overperformed i want to see if they could keep it up and you never know man they have young young guys that could compete 
um, maybe in a series and just tire out another team. I don't know if they could beat another team in the playoffs if they come in at, you know, seven or eight, but at least they could go in there and battle and get some experience. Yeah, I think this was an excellent pick. Um, Oklahoma City Thunder, they, they nuked that team and they acquired like 86 draft, pick, draft picks in the process <laughs> from both Houston and the Clippers. Um, but the money, right on the money, like you said, Shea Gilgis Alexander, he's balling. Um, he's only 21 years old still, mm-hmm. and this is already his third team uh, as he was drafted by the, Char- uh, the Charlotte Hornets. Um, I think, I, I mean, their ceiling this year for sure is like a, a first round, you know, tire out the team in five or six type team. But that's really good. That's basically what they do when they had Russell Westbrook and Paul George. <laughs> exactly, bro. Think about that. What you just said, when you had two superstars, that was basically, you know, all they did. And they could do it again after, like you said, they got 117 picks. So they're, they're ready to rock. <laughs> yep. And they have 117 picks in next year's draft. That's... <laughs> 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 so, yeah, the last point about the Thunder, they're really taking care of the ball. One of the better teams in the league and not uh, turning the ball over. Um, for example, let's see here. One, Give me one sec. They're in the top 10 in turnovers. Uh, more than three less per game than the 30th ranked team at the Atlanta Hawks who turned the ball over at a quite rapid pace. So the turnover machine, Russell Westbrook leaving, I think that helps him out in that category. <laughs> certainly, bro. Certainly. What's uh, what's your squad, dude, that, that uh, has surprised you so far in the West? Mine is definitely the Memphis Grizzlies. The Memphis Grizzlies, I think we are all in uh, we are all in agreement at the beginning of the season, you, me, and your boy, uh, our first guest of the show, uh, mm-hmm. that the Grizzlies weren't going to be bad that bad but they weren't going to be that good either maybe like where the kings or the t-wubs are right now um but they're the number eight seed in the west there's they've won their last games they have a very exciting offense like we knew Ja morant was going to be that dude um i i don't know if you had him as your rookie of the year pick but i did especially after the zion news um Jaron Jackson, he's putting up 18 points a game in only 28 minutes. Very solid. Valanchunas uh, contributing a 15 and 10 double-double. I think the surprising ones to me are Brandon Clark and Dylan Brooks. They're both uh, in limited minutes. 15 points a game, 12 points a game. I I like this squad. I hope they make the playoffs just because Jaw is super exciting. They're super young, and it'd be it, it would help rebuild uh, Memphis for the future. I like that. That is a very, very good pick as well, dude. 19 and 22 sitting in that eight spot. Uh, uh, half a game above San Antonio and, and above the Blazers who are just in the Western Conference Finals. So I totally agree. And then the call on, on Jaw, dude, I actually had RJ Barrett after Zion oh, okay. went down. And, um, you know, we know the Knicks are currently 11 and 30. So I think just, uh, and then Jaw, dude, is averaging almost 18 and 7. So that was a really good pick. And I would like to see them there as well, dude. I think um, Jaron Jackson impressive and less than 30 minutes dude averaging 18 points a game that's big time and again this is a team that i kind of see 
Um, if they could squeak in there at the eight seed, dude, you never know. Whoever's number one, be it the Lakers, the Jazz, whoever it is, they can at least, you know, get some experience, first of all, in the postseason. And then tire somebody out, man. They, they have a generally young team um, that can at least, you know, go up and down and see what happens, bro, with Jaren, Ja, um, even Valentino. Yeah, Brooks. Yeah. Dude, yeah. a guy like Crowder, who's averaging 10 and 6, you know, he's playing 30 minutes a game, but that's a guy that has Exactly. We'll, we'll bang somebody up, bro, for, you know, four or five games, six games, depending how long it goes. So I like that pick. Chris, take us to one. Uh, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Uh, one thing the Grizzlies remind me of, like the Thunder back in uh, 2010. Remember them? Uh, very young team managed to squeak into the eighth seed, and uh, even though the Lakers beat them, uh, it was still a tough series, and everyone knew like the Thunder, like they're gonna be back with a vengeance, and that was even before James Harden. <laughs> Exactly. No. And then, dude, what happened, too, is like those are those beginning, like growing pains where, um, you know, OKC, of course, didn't get they didn't think they would win, but they now have at least another series under their belt. Then you get another one, another one. And finally, what happened? They ended up literally sweeping the Lakers. Granted, they did get James Harden um, after. But you know what I mean? Like it's that experience that at least helps you build some confidence and say, We'll be back, bro. You guys are getting older. We'll be back, and we're going to stay young and just keep getting better. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got gotcha. um, so, you. Who's your team? Yeah, yeah. Take us first, dude, to your uh, disappointing team in the West. That I, I might be taking your pick. We haven't talked about these teams, but since I'm going first, I'm going with the Portland Trailblazers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, uh, Damian Lillard is putting up 27 and 7.6 a game. Um, CJ McCollum's putting up 22. They signed Melo. He's putting up 16. Whiteside's putting up 15 and 14. Um, but they're 17 and 24. Um, they weren't even good enough to like be like um, read on your list of the Western Conference standings. <laughs> <laughs> they're. Uh, uh, we talked about them at the beginning of the season um, with a week or two in how like it was kind of like are they going to get going anytime soon what's going on here what's going on in Portland slow start but I mean we're already halfway through the season they're only projected 34 wins despite having all of those players it seems like they improved their roster from last year but maybe that Rodney Hood injury kind of like has have them stuck in neutral or something I, dude, I completely agree that is you did take it, but I think we're on the same wavelength <laughs> there is, bro, I talked about that at the beginning of the year. That was so I was wrong on Miami saying they wouldn't keep it up. And then I said Portland would turn it around and I was wrong there as well. Dude, 17 Still and 24. Time, <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I was going to say, bro, what about last year getting to the Western Conference Finals? They did get swept, but the regular season, dude, they were 53 and 29. Right now, they have 24 losses already at 41 games. So halfway through the year, they literally are only five losses away from their entire season so, uh, result. So <laughs> you don't think they're gonna go 36 and five? And have to have- 30, 36 and five to match the uh, the, the record, bro. It's like wow, dude. You know what I'm saying? I just you you mentioned it. You hit it on the money. I mean, Dame, what a season, bro. He's having really. I mean, 27. Um, and seven, almost eight, seven point six. You still got CJ as the second guy. Even Melo, bro, who people were hitting on, he hasn't. Pl- I mean, he's been pretty good. Um, he's their third leading yeah, scorer. Yeah, it's just 
I, I don't know, bro. I'm very disappointed. I want to see, um, you know, what they do here at the deadline. This is a team that we will talk about as well. I don't know if there's someone you had in mind. There's someone I had in mind, so I'll definitely um, get into them. But so far, dude, halfway through the year, what a disappointment from Western Conference Finals to it looks like not even making the playoffs or not even being close, actually. Or so, see that the <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, they need to turn it around. They're only two games away, but the way they're playing, bro, I mean, they could get in and they're going to be expected to get whooped right away, in my opinion. But, I mean, we'll, we'll see, bro. Do you have anything else to add before we move on? Uh, nope. I think, I think we're ready to go. We covered it. Okay, perfect. So, there you go. Eastern, Western standings. Um, most surprising teams, both positive and negative. Now, let's get into these MVP candidates, bro. The MVP award, as we know, is always one of the hottest topics when it starts to get, you know, into those last few games of the season, see who is the front runner, who people think. Sometimes it's almost unanimous, like Steph Curry, who was unanimous. And sometimes it's tougher, like last year with Giannis and Harden, who was going to be it. So right now, halfway through the season, there's four guys that stand out um, in this competition so far. So those four dudes are James Harden, Giannis Antetokounmpo, LeBron James, and Luka Doncic. So I'll start off by talking about Luka Doncic and his stats so far. So um, as of right now, Luka, second year player only, um, he is averaging 29.1 points per game, 9.7 rebounds, and nine assists per game, as well as adding 1.1 steals per game. Um, a couple of highlights from Luka so far, um, from his rookie season to his sophomore season, is he's gone from 71% to 79% from the free throw line. And he's also gone from 43% to 47% field goal percentage, um, as well as shooting the ball more, because obviously he's the focal point of the Mavericks. Um, the one kind of negative that um, Luka has had so far is that he does average 4.3 turnovers per game, but that can also kind of be, you know, um, counter argued by saying that he has the ball most of the time um, in that Dallas Mavericks offense. He also has him at 24 and 15, um, sitting at the 60 right now. So, so far, Luca, again, he's only in his second season, but without a doubt, he's top four. So, um, I'm really excited to, to, you know, see what Luca can keep up with. Chris, you want to go over um, your first player? Yeah, yeah, sounds good to me. Um, let's talk about LeBronny James. LeBron. Uh, 25, <laughs> 25.5 points per game. He's shooting a little over 49% from the field, which is really good uh, for someone who takes as many uh, threes as, which is, it seems to me like it should be around his career high. And he's shooting a good percentage too. Um, 35.1%. Um, he's struggling from the free throw line at 69%, but he's averaging 10.7 per game, which I believe is the league lead. Um, he's just about at eight rebounds per game as well. And he's top for efficiency at 26.94. Only four players are more efficient than uh, him. One being his teammate, Anthony Davis, but the other three, Harden, Antetokounmpo, and Luka Doncic. 
there you go, LeBron James balling. <laughs> so I'll go uh, over the third candidate is James Harden. So the beard um, balling out with a superstar alongside him and Russell Westbrook, and he is still going off. So um, so far the beard is averaging a whopping 37.7 points per game, 6.2 rebounds, and 7.5 assists. He also averages 1.8 steals per game. And um, as many people know, the dude gets hacked or, or, or um, <laughs> depending if you ask Chris, I would say he uh, gets calls that sometimes he shouldn't. But nevertheless, sometimes, sometimes. <laughs> nevertheless just he shoots a ton <laughs> of free throws and he still averages 86% from the line. And he's shooting a career high 12.4 free throw attempts per game. And then um, he also shoots 24 times a game, Chris, 24, and he averages 45% field goal percentage, which is super dope. Um, and the only drawback I have, again, is the same thing with Luca. He averages 4.8 turnovers per game. Um, but hey, he was right there number two in the MVP voting last year. And right now, Houston is at 26 and 13, bro. If they could keep it up, I think they could creep up. I wouldn't be surprised if they're top two or even, um, I don't know about number one, but top three, let's say, um, at the end of the year. So they're right there. And James Harden is leading that squad. That's a good one right there. Um, let me close it out with, I don't, I wouldn't call him last, but uh, least, or maybe it's last, but not least. Giannis Antetokounmpo, the reigning MVP. All he's doing this year is he's putting up 29.8 points per game. Uh, he's shooting 55% from the field. He's, he's only shooting 32% from three, but for Giannis, that's excellent. Uh, if he gets it a little better in these coming years, he's he's unstoppable. Like That's the only thing he can do is let him shoot threes. And I mean, in the Lakers game uh, a few weeks back, he hit like five threes in one quarter, and it was wild. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, that's like the last key to his game and he's improving on that which it seems like he's improving with his rebounds 12.8 he's solid in assists 5.5 um, respectable at skills and blocks 1.2 and 1.1 and he is number one in the league at player efficiency at 32.94 just a just a smidge above James Harden there you go okay perfect and so Chris now that we you know went over the stats and obviously all four of these guys are spectacular, dude. They're all balling out. Um, and the best player on their team, maybe LeBron has a little comp um, with AD. But so far, dude, um, it, up to this point in the season, how would you rank these guys? If the season ended today, um, you know, we went over their stats, but who would you pick um, to be the MVP halfway through the season and why? Or how would uh, you rank them, we could say? So this one, it's super tough all four of these guys um but like if i were to decide right now it would be Giannis Antetokounmpo number one back to back James Harden number two LeBron James number three and Luka Doncic number four what about you interesting okay so i'm glad we have it a little different dude um i definitely had Giannis um if it ended today he would be back to back and um i don't know about you the biggest reason for me is because they're the number one team in the NBA, bro. They're 36 and six. And um, obviously without a doubt, he's the best player. Then I have Luca actually at number two right now. 
Um, very tough. I would, if I could have a tie for second, I would have Luca and James Harden. So since we don't do that, we 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 gotta pick one: Giannis, Luca, Harden, and LeBron. And let me say why LeBron is number four for me right now is because of AD. LeBron plays with a superstar right next to him who is currently averaging 27.1, 9.4, and three assists and almost three blocks a game. So for that reason, LeBron might not even be the most valuable player on his own team. So that's just my opinion. Um, you know, how, how do you, what do you think about that, Chris? I mean, I have LeBron fourth. I mean, it's tough. Uh, yeah, it is tough. I mean, Anthony Davis has been an absolute stud. Um, he's propelled the Lakers, and he's propelled LeBron from uh, middle-of-the-pack uh, team outside of the playoffs to number one seed in the West by a pretty wide margin at this point in the season. Not wide enough that they can't be caught, but, like, I mean, that's, let's see, what is it, five games on Utah? Mm-hmm. Five, so five and a half, six, yep. Five games on Utah, despite Utah winning ten straight games. Kate, um, I don't know. It's tough to say. It's like four uh, A and four B, or four capital A and four little A. I think they work so well together that it's hard to it's hard to give it to just one or say one's more valuable than the other. Um, if that makes sense. <laughs> no, no, for, uh, that's it's really the truth dude it's tough to i mean you could argue one way or the other depending you know and and it wouldn't be a wrong argument um i would ask you real quick on houston um do you think that if james harden keeps it up but they don't get i'm sorry the other way around but they were to get top two let's say because again it looks like la i don't want to jinx it at all but they have a comfortable lead you think if Harden could take them and finish second overall, would that help his case, Chris? Because, dude, if he if he finishes at 37, let's say 35, bro, he's going to get snubbed again, you think? And and not that it was a snub, but, bro, this guy has been, I think, second in MVP voting like three times already. Yeah, that's a fair point. Um, I think if they finish second as compared to like fourth or fifth or something, that's definitely makes this margin even more razor thin, in my opinion. Definitely kudos to Harden, but uh, I mean, we both we both know a thing or two about someone in the mid thirties uh, in one season getting snubbed. Mm. Uh, mm. Yeah, <laughs> no, let's not go there because that was uh, MVP <laughs> season for the Mamba. Right, I agree. Um, I guess it just depends on how the Bucks finish in the second half of the season. Um, like compared to Houston, I think like if the Bucks, I'm not necessarily fall off, but like instead of like what they're they're on pace for like uh, seventy wins, they're on pace for seventy wins. They are on um, pace for seventy wins to forty two games. You're right. <laughs> That's wild, but let's say they finish, you know, late uh, 59 wins to 63 wins, and then Houston finishes second in the West. I think it might flip-flop the other way to Harden, Razor, Thin Margin, but if the Bucks run out to like 68, 70 wins with no real stars on that team besides Giannis, I mean, Middleton's dope, um, but he's inconsistent. Uh, Bledsoe has his moments, and then they just have a lot of, like, uh, players that know their roles. I, not, I, not necessarily a Russell Westbrook and a, uh, other guys like that. I completely agree, bro. I like the way you put that. Is it's gonna come down to if yeah, if Milwaukee just runs away with it, bro. I'm sorry, but I think Giannis has to be back to back again. Even if Harden does finish, let's say 
averaging 35 or so it's just gonna be too hard to deny um you know the greek freak uh back-to-back mvp let me ask you real quick I was, oh, sorry and, go ahead, and then go ahead. i'll ask you a question after that just remind me to ask you after this one so go ahead <laughs> okay 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 don't don't lose uh, don't lose okay. the question oh, wait, um, <laughs> what do you think about the fact that Giannis, you mentioned it, his three-point um, percentage is the highest, I believe, in his career, aside from his rookie year. So he's he's at 32%, but he's shooting literally five times as many as his rookie year at five. But, Chris, his free throw percentage, bro, is sorry, actually. He's shooting 61.5% from the free throw line right now, as opposed to last year, he was at 73. So from 73 to 62 percent we could round up what do you think about that could that you know be something that is just like uh, this season uh, he got too used to shooting threes what do you think there oh my goodness harden is shooting almost 14 threes a game that's wild uh sorry anyways um yeah on tentacumpo i think he's got spooked at the free throw line you remember the series i think it was toronto where he airballed multiple free throws mm-hmm. I think since then he's kind of been on a downward downward spiral at the free throw line. It's weird. Um, like let's see, 72, 76, 77, 72, 74. This is uh, his worst in his career, and his uh, lowest since his rookie year was seventy two percent. So that's that's interesting that you brought that up. Um, but I think his uptick in rebounding, um, his focus defensively. I think uh, he grades well on a lot of metrics. Um, I think, and then he's averaging the most points in his career. Uh, like two, almost two and a half, almost more than his MVP season. So that I think that's enough to, to kind of counterbalance that. True, true. And maybe it's just, I'm telling you, dude, maybe it's just kind of one season. He's gotten used to shooting the three, but you're right. Or it could be mental and it becomes kind of interesting uh, in, in crunch time. You know, that's what I'm thinking, dude, because, again, from 73 to 62, bro, that's a big, big drop. And his career is 73%, actually. That's his, his average. So it's just interesting. Just wanted to bring that up. But what was your question? So take Anthony Davis out of the equation here. Is there anyone that's not in the top four or Anthony Davis? Because I think um, we might both agree that he's fifth unless you have someone else in mind mm-hmm. um you did uh sorry what was that Mm-mm. no sorry no no i have that he's my number five yes okay i was like wait was that a he's not number five because i was curious <laughs> who it was or is that a that you don't have someone else number five so i was confused correct correct no no <laughs> so no. other than the top five um who do you see like maybe making a dark horse run um someone you'd like to see uh get some love in the MVP voting. Well, dude, a guy that statistically was standing out to me, um, but it's hard, is who you mentioned earlier in Lillard, bro. But the team performance, that's where, to me, because look, if you look at the standings, you have um, in the West, the Jazz, which Donovan Mitchell is at 24 points a game, but I don't know if he could sneak into the MVP realistically. You know what I'm saying? Um, And then you got the Nuggets, Jokic possibly, um, I, I really don't have anyone that stands out to me, to be honest, Chris, that could actually realistically, I think you could talk about the best players on, for example, the Celtics, um, who have, what, Kemba, but he has Jason Tatum with him. So um, that's the top three. And then it rounds out with maybe Jimmy Butler, Chris. What do you think about that? That's a guy that comes to mind 
that is actually the definition of most valuable player because without him there's absolutely no way Miami would be even remotely close to being 27 and 12 if that makes sense for the argument what do you think yeah I think that's a good argument Jimmy Butler crossed my mind as well when I was thinking of this question um, he's got one of the higher player efficiency ratings in the NBA and of course he's elevated that team from maybe an eight seed to you know a top three seed looking to do some damage in the playoffs um, I was gonna I was gonna bring up Joel and beat as well uh, he's putting up 23 points a game 12 uh, 12.3 rebounds 3.3 assists which is pretty good for a seven foot center unless your name is Jokic. Um, he's almost a block and a half per game which is very solid for example Anthony Davis number one 2.6 um, but someone like Giannis 1.1 so he's right in the middle of uh, good defenders and then uh, just the fact that like I don't like the 76ers roster other than when Embiid is doing his thing. Like, if Embiid's not playing well, they lose. But if Embiid's playing well, they can compete with anyone in the NBA. I like that, which, again, goes into the actual definition of most valuable player. Um, Do you think... So, what would it take, being that, you know, Philly right now is um, in the sixth spot, but they're only three games, three and a half games, from the two spot would that be the difference for you or what do you think it would take for Joel to seriously put himself into that MVP conversation because I agree dude I think him and Jimmy could be those you know six and and seven kind of guys um what would it take um yeah that's a good question um I think we're gonna learn a lot about the 76ers roster now that he's been out for a little while um they're one and two so far. They did beat the Celtics, but that was at home. They're, it's a pretty stark uh, difference with the 76ers at home compared to away. Actually, one of the worst teams Big in the time. NBA on the road. <laughs> Seven and 14, bro. They're trash on the road. <laughs> yeah, they are. Um, but I think if they continue to struggle, he shouldn't be out, but maybe 10 more days, uh, roughly, assuming the surgery went well. Uh, but if they continue to struggle and then continue to slip in standings and then when he comes back, he's like, I got you. And then he, uh, he propels them to top three, top four. Keep consideration. I'm with it. Okay. I like that, man. I like that. I think we have, you know, defined the top four, as we said. It looks like we both agree that if it ended today, Giannis would be um, the MVP again, getting that back-to-back um, award. And then... We'll see, man. We'll see if either uh, Embiid or Jimmy or someone else ends up coming through with a team that just gets hot, and you just never know, Chris. So um, that was a great, great discussion there on the MVPs. Now let's move on to the NBA trade deadline, which is February 6th. Okay, it is the trade deadline. It is coming up on February 6th. For the most part, every year the trade deadline for the NBA is pretty exciting. There's a lot of there's a lot of rumors usually. Um, so we're going to talk today a little bit about a couple of marquee players that we think might get traded or will get traded before the deadline to who, or maybe a team that 
or a team or two that we think should attempt to make a trade and why. Haido, you want to start us off with one marquee player you think will get traded before the deadline and to who? One player that has to get traded, bro. Has to, I think, um, in these next three weeks, Kevin Love, bro. Kevin Love from the Cavs. You know, the Cavs are currently 12-28. and 28. We've seen, um, I think it was like a week and a half or two ago, he was super frustrated on the court. Um, he asked for the ball and then just chucked it to one of his teammates. Um, <laughs> you know, just out of frustration. And it's understandable. I mean, the dude won a championship with Cleveland a few years ago, and he's the only one left there. Kyrie bounced, uh, LeBron bounced. And so I think he love. Um, can is still a, a, a really good player, you know, maybe not a, a superstar like he was at the beginning of that Cavs um, trio with Kyrie and LeBron, but for sure a guy that can make a difference, um, especially for a team that's either in the playoffs right now, you know, in the playoff picture or trying to kind of turn the, their season around. He's averaging, dude, in 31 minutes, he's averaging 17 points. Um, 10 rebounds and then three assists per game so um, pretty solid again on a team that is super trash so I think um, he could do maybe even better I guess the argument could also go the other way of maybe he should be excelling I just think Cleveland is that bad that um, you know it changes everything from morale to kind of what you're playing for night in night out knowing that uh, you guys kind of suck so um, that's why I had in mind K-Love what about you? What's, what's one uh, one team that you see that could uh, uh, be trading for him that maybe needs a stretch for like that? One team, dude, that comes to mind has to be, and I would love it, the Portland Trailblazers, bro. The Portland Trailblazers, I think, with Kevin Love um, on the team would, first of all, change all morale you know what i'm saying with be like dude we're still in it again they're only two games out of the eighth seed right now um and then you put him alongside dudes you you obviously would keep lillard you would have um cj you would keep Melo, and then you would have him not saying Melo is a star by any chance guys please don't people don't get crazy um and then i think you would keep Whiteside, bro maybe trade a guy like um, Rodney Hood, a pick, maybe, I don't know if, if Zach Collins hasn't really played this season. I'm not sure what they could kind of manage there, but I think if you can keep CJ, Dane, Love, Melo, and hopefully Hassan, or you wait for Nurkic to come back, that could be a team. What do you think about that? I like that. Um, I think it's a tough position for Portland because they're like, do we want to like risk it all uh, to try and turn things around and mm-hmm. do something like that? Or do we want to just kind of hope we can turn things around um, from a team outside of the playoffs looking into a team middle of the pack, maybe looking, trying to make a move in the East. I really like either the Pacers or the 76ers to make a move for Kevin Love. Let's take the Pacers because I don't really want the Sixers to do much. Um, (laughs) They have uh, everyone on their roster. They have some good three-point shooters. Doug McDermott comes to mind, Aaron Holiday. But all of their shooters that shoot a good percentage from three and take meaningful shots per game are guards and small forwards. Um, They don't really have a big man who can shoot. I mean, Miles Turner... 35% 35% respectable. Um, they need someone else with Miles Turner uh, that could, you know, down the stretch with Malcolm Brogdon, Turner, 
Oladipo that you know could stretch the could stretch the court as like a. Uh, I mean, I think he would transform that team into like a middle of the pack Eastern Conference team. To you, I mean, sky's the limit almost with those those two coming back around this time is like trading for Oladipo and Kevin Love. I like that. Okay, but that that's a really good pick, um, dude. Indiana Indianapolis can actually get crazy good um, if they were to get a guy like K Love for the reasons you said, and then if Oladipo can actually come back and be himself, dude. I mean, they're sitting right now without Oladipo, obviously without Kevin Love at 25 and 15. Um, I think teams would actually get scared. And in that situation, bro, that's where I would take them to beat um, Miami and Toronto if they could get K-Love and Oladipo back. You know what I'm saying? Like that actually changes the entire dynamic of the conference. Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, they would be like the team in the in this like tier two uh, caliber teams in the East that could challenge Boston or uh, mm-hmm. Milwaukee, like the the tier one guys, in my opinion. Uh, it's either that or I mean, could go to the Sixers. The Sixers' best three point shooter is like Joel Embiid. So that's <laughs> uh, <not> saying something. <laughs> I mean, he's only shooting thirty two percent, but I mean like. Horford, Horford's up there, uh, 34%. Uh, Josh Richardson, 34%. I mean, that's pretty solid, right? Uh, I think I think they could really use someone like Kevin Love, too, because Elton Brand really did um, not do that roster justice. They're kind of winning on talent alone, um, and they need, they need a role player like Kevin Love who can go put up 15 and 10 a game and stretch the, stretch the floor. So, the, you mentioned those two teams in Philly and Indiana. Is Are those teams, Chris, I know they would be a good fit. Kevin Love would be a good fit on that team. Is there a team that comes to mind that you think should make a trade? Not, you know, kind of moving on from Love. Is there a team that you think right now with a trade would really change, um, you know, the, the possible outcome of their season? I think Miami's up there too um, with someone who, like, they, I think they need to, uh, I guess, uh, bring in some reinforcements because they're right there on the quest on the cusp of a tier one team. They don't want to waste this year because, as it stands right now, I don't think they're going to beat the Celtics or the Bucks in a series. But if they load up, they get a couple of uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich type guys. You never know. I uh, like that. Okay. But- yeah. They got to take advantage of their position, right? Because if you said, I mean, it's kind of a surprise. But then I think if they make the playoffs, dude, um, the the true chances of them going to the NBA Finals um, as it stands with the roster that they have, I don't see it that high. Same, same. And then just to, before we go to teams real quick, um, I'm going to bring up the guy we alluded to earlier, Andre Drummond from the Detroit Pistons. Um, I think in order to uh, salvage his career at this point. Even though he's still fairly young, I believe he's like 26. It seems like he's been in the league for like 8,000 years, but... Yeah, for real. <laughs> let's see, uh, 26, yep. Uh, in order for him to salvage like the rest of his prime, I think he's got to be traded. Um, of course, a top team can look into him. He's going to be a hefty price. Uh, or a team like Atlanta can look into him as a second, uh, second, not fiddle, but a second star to Trey Young, someone you can run the pick and roll with. 
build around uh, and then you go out and you maybe try and pay uh, for a free agent or you know try again in the draft for you know oh, someone on the wing from and from uh, the rumors that have been there it seems like Atlanta is the front runner and a team that's willing to you know make a move to like you said actually get somebody for trade to play alongside with which i think would actually be a really good fit considering how drummond you know obviously is not the type of center to be shooting it and uh have that jumper but imagine him when trade kind of penetrates and give him that li a little lob for a jam i feel like that could be automatic um is there another team aside from atlanta who as you mentioned dude is literally at the bottom of the standings is there someone that you think drummond would be a good fit for of a maybe a competitor or mid-tier team yeah um I, of course i think i hear rumors that atlanta might be having to give up their first round pick this year for him and if that's the case that's a hefty price but i think it's still worth it but anyways um i think we could go to the west here and we could go to do to a team like the dallas mavericks um i think porzingis being like not a stretch for per se but he's not afraid to step out and shoot the three he's not afraid to uh play on in that mid-range game that's kind of lost uh i mean for example he shoots uh almost six and a half threes a game and then i mean he's been out he's been dealing with injury i think uh andre drummond could, could succeed with uh the Mavs just like he could succeed with Atlanta I just don't know if they could afford him long term it would be a very risky move um for kind of like going all in this year I don't know what you think about that well it's funny that you say that uh that you mentioned Dallas because I'll talk about them but to finish up on Drummond dude I I completely agree Porzingis who hasn't been able to get you know into a full I think groove I mean he's still averaging 17 points um nine rebounds but if you could kind of get him out there to be shooting the three consistently um and then you put a guy like Drummond dude they need that third guy you know and and I think they're one piece away one star away from truly being contenders because Luca is playing that well um and I say it's funny that you mentioned Dallas dude because I um had what do you think about DeMar DeRozan maybe being um a trade target for Dallas which is obviously almost the opposite type of player of Drummond but it would be another scoring option um to add alongside Luka and then you keep Porzingis whether he becomes that kind of stretch for shooter or he can still bang down low um you know every so often and kind of be the four or five but then you have that uh, proven scorer who really hasn't um you know been what he was in Toronto with the Spurs at least um in terms of the effect for the team and then maybe San Antonio can get something back let's say I don't know man Tim Hardaway maybe Seth Curry and then a pick for example I'm not sure what do you think about that uh yeah I think the Spurs definitely need to look into moving DeRozan I think his contract's up at the end of this year did he get an extension I don't I, I don't believe so right I that's why I was thinking it would be the end of the uh this season um and it's kind of a gamble but it depends what you give up for him um when you're looking at Dallas yeah it's kind of a uh interesting situation because at one point he could be more expensive because uh, he doesn't tie up any cap space going forward so it could be like a uh, let's go all in this year if it doesn't mm -hmm. work see you later we'll go look for someone else or you know they could sign him 
or he could leave after a really good uh, rest of the season. It's interesting. Yeah, I think DeRozan might be on the move. Uh, the Spurs aren't going anywhere. Um, they might slide into the eighth seed at the highest, but I mean, I'd rather for them cash in on DeRozan at this point. A hundred percent, dude. It was uh, a move that popped. Got something at least. At least Kawhi didn't leave, you know, for nothing. But unfortunately, it just hasn't been um, that good of a fit. And it looks like San Antonio, dude. I mean, 17 and 21. I don't have too high of expectations. As you mentioned, they may be able to sneak in as an eight seed, but it's not one of those um, championship contending San Antonio Spurs teams. Um, fortunately or unfortunately, depending on where you stand, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I know we haven't talked about the Lakers. We'll talk about them in the uh, if if they make any moves in our next segment. But is there any other team that you're interested in before we move on to the Lakers that like um, maybe they're contending now and they want to be like favorites, or maybe they're on the cusp of contending that should make a move? Maybe we don't have to talk about players, but just make a move in general. You, you already mentioned the, the Heat, dude. That was my backup team because of the position that they're in. Again, I, I mean, I'm impressed. I got to give them their props. Um, but realistically, I don't see them beating Boston or Milwaukee with the current structure of their team. So that was my backup. You already kind of mentioned them. And so I agree with that because if they could pair another guy that actually gets along, I guess that's the key, with Jimmy Butler and whatever Phil fulfills, you know, his expectations or whatever. Um, next thing you know, they can actually compete with those top two teams if uh, Jimmy is kind of the leader and gets along well. You know what I'm saying? So that's the other team. What about you? Did you have anybody else aside from obviously who you mentioned? I think after the Jazz, I, I was gonna. I was thinking about the Jazz after they made that move for Clarkson. I'm like, okay, okay, they provide scoring. Um, for a defensive team and that's kind of coincided with their run here um but my team is the denver nuggets i think they're on the cusp of contending um but like if you look at their team leaders points rebounds and assists are all nikola Jokic. i mean mm-hmm. the dude's a stud but i mean if you're if your leading points getter is 19 points per game um what team does that remind you of from the Eastern Conference a few years back who was really good, but they didn't have that one guy that could take over a game? Uh, who's that? Was that Boston without Kyrie or who? Uh, I mean, that's a good one too. Uh, I was thinking Atlanta back in like 2015. Mm, oh, back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where they didn't uh, have a star, but it was a few guys that were kind of carrying the team. Just wasn't enough in the playoffs, right? Once it gets to crunch time, dude. Right, right, exactly. They had like four or five guys all in double figures, but no one, no one uh, above like 18 points per game. Mm-hmm. They won 60 games. They're a really good team, but the Ca- uh, Cavaliers kind of smacked them in the playoffs. So I think the Nuggets need to get need to get a wing. They need to get someone on the wing that can put up 15 to 20 points a game, uh, make their own shot, create, and be relied upon down the stretch. I like it, man. I like that. That's a good ad for the Nuggets at 27 and 12. They're trying to make that jump, um, you know, to maybe get out of the West. But Jokic as well, dude, with the with his body, I don't know if he could carry them all throughout a, a full, um, you know, playoff run. Uh, it seems like he, he tires out sometimes. So I like that. You ready to move on to the Lakers? Yep, let's do it, man. L.A., L.A. <laughs> Lady, the Lake Show, baby. Let's go. Los Angeles. 
K-E-R-S The best from the west side Left side Right next to the Pacific To be specific The purple and gold homes As Chris said Alert Alert Oh yeah baby Lake show So Chris We have to Before the end of this show We always gotta talk about the Lakers man And now There's actually something to talk about bro We are First in the West at 33 and 7. Give me your general thoughts. What comes to mind so far this season for this squad, bro? It's been a fun season. Um, excuse me. Uh, yeah, they're uh, best team in a long time, uh, at least for the regular season, has been concerned so far. LeBron and Anthony Davis have been gelling on the court. Um, it looks like the chemistry is kind of effortless at that point between the, those two. They're one of the better teams in the NBA defensively. Uh, for example, in the Western Conference, we give up the least amount of points per game. I believe we're about top three in defensive rating. Um, Anthony Davis leads the league in blocks, and I believe we lead the entire league in blocks as a team. Um, at close to eight per game. We had 20 the other night against Detroit. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. That, um, was a, well, that was a game where, what was it, five, six, and eight, I believe, right? For Dwight, uh, AD, and JaVale, was it? Yeah, Dwight, AD, and JaVale combined for 19 <laughs> of those 20 blocks. Crazy. AD at eight. And the Detroit, 40% of their total field goal misses that game were be as a result of Lakers' rejections. Blocks, yup. Mm. Um, but, I mean, as fun as it's been, there's been some frustrating points at this point uh, in the season two. Um, for example, our our bench has, has been inconsistent. Kuzma has been playing better lately, but there's a very, there was a long lull in his games for a while. Um, Bradley's been kind of shaky. Rondo had an, an outstanding game against the Thunder, but other than that, he's basically been an anchor in on the unit and not in a good way. Um, I guess <laughs> that's a good way of putting it. <laughs> Caruso, uh, he's nice, Alex Caruso, but like our offense get, gets into these lulls. It's just like, we're like, oh yeah, we'll just catch up in the fourth quarter, no problem if we're losing. Um, and we we kind of got to get it figured out, whether it be through a trade or whether it be through like different, uh, different sets, different rotations, try and get Kuzma more shots without Rondo just holding the ball for 15, 20 seconds every shot clock. I don't know. What are you thinking? Yeah, you make a lot of good points, dude. I mean, the... Uh, LeBron and AD pairing has been incredibly um, successful, very fast. You know, I think uh, when we when we traded for him, or uh, you know, people were thinking Lakers are going to be really good, but not right away. It usually takes some time for players to mesh, kind of feel how each other plays. That's right away. LeBron and AD have been awesome together. So I literally couldn't say. Um, you know, more good things about both of them who are absolutely balling at 27 points for AD, 25 for Braun. And then, as you mentioned, the blocks, dude, AD leads that um, the whole team with 2.6 per game. Incredible. And then Braun, he was in our top four MVP. So that should say um, enough. But there are a couple of, of issues that I see as well, Chris. The first one is 
the playmaking when AD and LeBron step out. You know, you, you of course, again, you went through our bench players. It seems like when they're not in the game, and especially when Rondo is in the game, the offense is pretty stagnant. Rondo is a playmaker, but there aren't really any players aside from Kuzma um, to kind of create for. And that's what Rondo is really good at. And then Kuzma, it's quite interesting, dude, because we're three weeks away from the um, trade trade deadline. And Kuzma is now coming into, I think, the healthiest point of the entire season. So that ankle injury that he um, suffered there in December, they didn't make it a big deal. They said he was fine, but his playing showed otherwise. He hasn't been the Kyle Kuzma that we had these last few years that made him untouchable um in trade talks which is obviously why brandon ingram lonzo ball and josh hart all got traded but kyle kuzma didn't um the problem is chris that in the last i want to say i think four games he has finally started looking like himself so Did you say the problem was <laughs> the, the, no and, and, and so <laughs> it, the problem with the three week with three weeks left is that i felt that bogdan uh Bog- Bogdanovich, Bogdanovich, Bogdan, Bogdanovich was um, a real option from Sacramento for the trade deadline, and it was like that's a good idea for sure. But now the way Kuzma's playing, which is the tough part, now it's making it look like it's not a good idea. Like he had 36 against Oklahoma City when Broad and AD were both out, 26 against Dallas, 16 against New York. Um, and then he had 11 and, and three against Cleveland um, just last night. So he's coming into his own. Chris, my question for you is, this is the biggest issue for me as a Lakers fan right now. We don't have that third solid option that once playoff time comes, we can rely on, like you said, the attitude of we're good, we're good. Once we get everybody in the fourth, meaning Braun and AD and everyone else, we'll come back. That's not going to work, dude. Like You're going to fall behind and you're going to lose one or two games that are going to swing the full series. Can Kyle Kuzma be the third option in the playoffs, Chris? Let's not forget, Kuzma has never been to the playoffs. What do you think? Um, It's interesting. I, I think, again, you make a lot of good points. We were talking about this a couple weeks ago with Bogdan Bogdanovich. Um, we we're trying to see if uh, our new uh, executive uh, president, what, is he executive VP? What's his title now? He is now I know it's Max, Magic's old job, but what's the title? Yeah, it's uh, the VP of Basketball Operations, if I'm not mistaken. Just right under Genie, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. He now has pretty much all power over um, everything except for being the owner of the team. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's been well deserved um, for what he's done the last couple of years. Even though he's had, uh, uh, let's not get into that. Anyway. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about Kuzma. Uh, Kuzma is putting up 13 points a game on the season so far. I think that'll continue to tick up just a little bit, maybe about 14 or 15. Um, as he, you know, he said he's the healthiest he's been all year. He's looked great in three of the last four games. Um, it's it's tough. It's tough to know how he's going to respond in the playoffs. But. Uh, I do have full confidence in our in our management that like if they're gonna trade him away, they wouldn't trade him away for pennies or just a sh- or just like just straight up for Bogdan Bogdanovich. They would try and work in a pick or work in you know uh, 
I heard rumors about De'Aaron Fox um, because the Kings are kind of imploding with Walden, go figure. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I think he can get it done in the playoffs. I think he can. Um, The question is, like, of course, like, will he? (laughs) Yeah, that's That's the million-dollar question, and that's where it leaves Rob Pelinka, I think, in a difficult situation because... If you write it out, um, I think one thing we have to do, Chris, is we have to add uh, another guard then. If that's the situation, a guy that comes to mind, um, you know, and it's been a rumor out there, Darren Collison, for example, I think he could really add the depth and kind of give Kuzma a little bit of breathing room um, in the sense of they'll probably come off the bench together and be a guy that can actually play ball I mean Rondo seems pretty shot dude both on the offensive and defensive end so um it makes it tough without a guy that could kind of create and not have the defense focus on Kuzma um but then you can kind of go for a shooter in Bogdan who's a pretty solidified um shooter I think he shoots about 38 percent um from three and you add on the money yeah and you add him you know to Braun and AD have that guy that is again not a for sure you know can can catch fire but he's a better three-point shooter than Kyle Kuzma which again come playoff time um is gonna really make a big difference to you know spread the defense and not be so predictable where they can literally just focus on the two main guys and say everybody else beat us because Chris I think we've already proven the regular season we can dominate. We, I, I I feel confident that even if the team stays as is, um, the Lakers can finish first in the West, no problem. But once the playoffs start, it's very different when you're facing the same team for seven games in a row, and they can really adjust and um, highlight your weaknesses and make you beat them with your weaknesses. Like, for example, to build on that point, um, I think one reason why we've struggled against the Clippers these last, uh, well, these two meetings is because of our struggles with the third option on our team. While uh, they have Kawhi and PG, and I'll take LeBron over AD over those two for sure, but they have the X factor in that scenario with Lou Williams coming off the bench. And while Lou Williams, you know, doing his thing, making jump shots, uh, drawing fouls, making free throws, um, we have we have kind of uh, unknowability, and that's kind of why we blew that game on Christmas. Um, we were leading all game until the fourth quarter when uh, second unit came in, struggled, and it's going to be tough against the Clippers unless we unless Kuzma kind of continues making strides or we look for a third option that can put up 15 a game at no matter what his role is. I, I completely agree, dude. Exactly. And you said it, you know, that Christmas game showed um, the weakness. And it, it looks like, I, you know, in the playoffs, it might come down to the L.A. rivalry for who can represent the West, especially once um, load management is not a thing for the Clippers. And, and Paul George, too. Dude's always hurt. Exactly. Exactly. And if they come in healthy, again, you will have two superstars on top of those other dogs you could call in, um, you know, Beverly, you have Montrez Harrell, some tough guys that are really good. Um, the one point, you know, kind of moving on from Kuzma, we will see what happens there. Uh, just a highlight of the team that I didn't mention that I think deserves a lot of credit and a lot of love 
is Dwight Howard, dude. I've yeah. been pleasantly surprised. I was surprised. ready to talk about him, too. <laughs> yeah, and, and we could talk, you know, uh, Dwight has played really well. Uh, he did come in, you know, to the Lakers on a non-guaranteed contract. You mentioned early in the season, he was basically, he was he was an at-will employee that was um, coming to work every day, kind of battling for his job. But uh, he has taken on his role, dude, just perfectly magnificent you know i cannot say more good things again about howard because he was a guy that's always been used to being a star kind of been a diva we know how the 2012 trade went with dwight what was the result there on his first stint um as a laker and now he's only averaging 19.7 minutes a game dude and he he even gets the bench excited he's always jumping around he's shooting a three here and there um and he's averaging 7.7 um, points per game, seven rebounds a game, and 1.5 blocks in those 19 mi- uh, minutes per game. 1.5. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 1.5 blocks per game, and um, I'm excited, man. I'm glad that we have Dwight. He gives JaVale that perfect kick, you know, sidekick that he needs, because if not, JaVale would gas out quickly, just like he did um, last year when he started off strong. And then he started fading. I think Dwight's going to be the perfect guy to, uh, you know, be a sidekick and keep him fresh so they can both battle come playoff time. You know, it's crazy. Um, I think Dwight Howard deserves a lot of credit, too. Day, day after day, he's coming to work. He never knows. He never knew if he was going to, you know, like get let go at any point. No guarantee. You show up to work. You get the paycheck. Um, you don't know what the next day is going to happen, just like all of us. But, um if you combine him and McGee, so 19 minutes and 16 minutes a game, so it's just a shade over 35, which is just a shade over what Davis is putting uh, up right now in terms of minutes, both of them combined would put up 14.7, um, 13, about, r- roughly about 13 rebounds, and then 3.2 blocks per mm. game, which would lead the league <laughs> by a wide margin because Davis is number one at 2.6. Um that's, that's wild. Crazy. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's looking at it now. Production from the center position between the two of them combined, too. Agreed. Agreed, man. So that, that's a really good point, actually. If you think about and their minutes equates to literally what AD is putting up right now. So um, that's very interesting. And again, you have two bodies that are going to be, you know, battling throughout the playoffs on those tough, tough matchups night after night, dude. So um, I want to okay. see. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say, I have a question before you. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Um, do you think we see Demarcus Cousins in the playoffs? <laughs> That's what, I, oh, my God, dude. Yeah, uh, well, I was going to say. I, His injury might be a blessing in disguise for us. It really might. And you know what? I I want to say, dude, he's done it already. What is it? Two years in a row, I believe, that it was like an injury that right away when you hear it. It's season ending, and I don't know how he recovers so quickly. Obviously, he's gotten re-injured, but I want to say if we make a deep run, especially, let's say, Western Conference um, or Finals, he will show up, and he can be another body that is going to be very helpful to us, depending on how JaVale and, and Dwight are playing at that point. Do you agree? Do you think he shows up, or is it too much of a stretch to expect him to do it um, a third year in a row? I think... Um from what I'm reading, there's still a possibility he's going to play this season. He's getting up shots in the gym, and that was like almost two weeks ago now. Uh, I think if we make the playoffs, he might he might be ready to go by then. For like, we for don't first series, you think? Yeah, first series, I think he'd be ready to go. You know, 
10, 15 minutes a game. We don't need much. Just a solid offensive weapon to uh, come off the bench with Kuzma or with whomever it might be that's our third guy. Um, and just you know, imagine Cousins and Howard and like oh, together. Man. <laughs> <laughs> that's trouble, bro. That's trouble for whoever. Again, like you said, we won't need him for a lot of minutes. Let's get 15, 15 20 solid minutes out of him. It's going to be tougher. I don't care who we're playing. They're going to have a tough time. Because he can still hit the three, um, respectively, for center, kind of like Embiid. Um, so it's not like both of them on the on the court together is like clogging up the paint or anything. Hundred uh, so percent. It's interesting. I just thought I'd throw that out there. Yeah. No. Anything else to talk about? That's a good one. Let me just end with this, Chris. Yes or no? The Lakers make a big move before the trade deadline on February sixth. I'm going to say no. The biggest move they make is signing someone like Darren Collison. What about you? What do you think? A hundred percent, man. I wanted, <laughs> I, I, it's so tough, but if it's yes or no, I go no. We stick with Kuz and we ride the team and we sign a free agent or two to, um, you know, help the team get better. But that's as far as we go. I like that. I like that. Just, uh, I guess, last thoughts. Um, who do you see uh, us playing in the first round of the uh, playoffs? First round of the playoffs right now, I'm going to go. If, we're, if I would if guess we're right one, now. I think whoever you put here, elude one or two or three or something. Yeah, I want to say we would face the Oklahoma City Thunder, Chris. Oklahoma City would finish at seven or at eight. Yeah, seven or eight, which means we're one or two. That's who we'll end up playing. What do you think? So let's say they finish eight, um, because when you said Oklahoma City Thunder, it's like, wait, I think they'll finish seven. So does he say two? If you think they finish eight, who who leapfrogs them? I want to say Memphis might do it, bro. I don't know why. <laughs> let's get the, it. The, the young guys, dude, I'm telling you, uh, I think Oklahoma will fall off. Memphis will stay tough with the young guys, and it's going to be close. It'll be, you know, a half game difference, but that's, I don't know. That's how I see it. What do you think? fair uh that's totally fair i think as much as i want to say memphis i think i'm going to still have to go with portland here i'm going to go with portland sliding into the eight okay well let's see bro or maybe memphis falls off and they're out let's see um how it ends up but hey chris what a great episode we had today bro nba season mid-review you know we're gonna have to do this again at the end of the season right I can't tell you enough how much we appreciate you joining us on this NBA midseason review. Episode 32 of Small Scoop of Sports is in the books. Uh, as always, you can find me, Jairo Gutierrez, uh, on Twitter at jgut1010. And then the show on Twitter, on Facebook, at Small Scoop Sport. And on Instagram, at Small Scoop Sport Podcast. And so, Chris... Let the listeners know what's good uh, for next episode. And then, of course, where they can find you on social media. So fear not, everyone. It is not the end of the NFL season yet. Um, we still got the AFC and NFC championship games to, you know, run through next week as, as well as divisional round breakdown. We're going to have our best and worst performers of the week as usual. Um, hint, hint, one, uh, one of the two of us went 4-0 on the week. Tune in next <laughs> next episode to find out who that was. Uh, 
Yeah, and it's probably going to be it will will be our last episode before the Super Bowl, and then in the off season we'll probably transition to other um, other sports instead of one episode per week on the NFL. Um, yeah, Hydro, did I miss anything? That's it, brother. That's it. It's going to be um, a update of those pretty good um, divisional matchups and who is going for the Super Bowl, man. Who is going to be battling? So, um, last but not least, let them know where they can talk some smack to you on Twitter. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Chrismo2413, and that's at Chrismo2413. Um, just remember, everyone, the three R's of the small scoop of sports. Uh, remember, small scoop sports, that's the three S's, so we're talking about the three R's, and that's review, rate, retweet. Thanks again for all the listens. We just hit a thousand total listeners for the 32, uh, 31, now 32 episodes, so thanks again. We appreciate you guys for us at Small School Sport. This is us saying peace out, everybody. See ya.